0: Welcome to the Equipped Podcast, where we dive deep into the world of business and entrepreneurship. Each episode, we will bring you insightful interviews with entrepreneurs and business owners who are making waves in the marketplace. From sales strategies to marketing innovations, leadership insights, and effective lead generation, this is your go-to source for staying ahead in the business game. Now let's get equipped for success and get to today's episode.
1: All right, well, uh,
2: Rutledge, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good, how about yourself?
1: I am doing great. It's been a, it's Friday. Um, I've had one of those days where you just like, it's like meeting, 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 meeting. Um, but I think after this, I, I, I get a break, so I'm excited. Nice. Well, cool. So I'm I'm with Rutledge. Say your last name again. Doggett. Doggett. Rutledge Doggett. He is a senior technical account manager at GoodellNet and uh, runs the uh, uh, news media site uh, TechRaptor as well. Um, Why don't you tell us a little bit about your history?
2: Yeah, so um, I have an interesting history in that I have a degree in game and simulation programming. Um, but about halfway through college, I took a job at an IT firm in Chicago. Um, and almost 13 years later, I'm still in the industry. Um, started at help, uh, help desk tier one. Now I'm a senior technical account manager. I've probably touched every facet of IT that's possible. Um, and then for fun, I started a gaming site, uh, almost 10 years ago. And now I've got five full-time employees within that with, uh, hopes of doubling that this year.
1: Yeah, that's that's a tough space. Um just lots of competition. Um yeah.
2: I think the main reason I I never looked back at gaming was the I mean it kind of ties into this the culture, the uh the hours that you end up working towards the ends of projects. Um mm-hmm. the more I kind of stepped into the true workforce, the more I was like, I don't know if I really can really want to do that. <laughs> um, and so I stuck with, a uh, an, an industry that has still a fair amount of overtime.
1: Yeah, <laughs> of course. Yeah. So, and, and in the interesting thing we talked, uh, last week, a couple weeks ago and talked about kind of your journey and you've got kind of your side hustle, uh, company that that's, I mean, again, I've heard of it, so it's, it's not like a, a little thing, but, um, but then you also had this career of, um, You know, working in in the industry, um, starting out at a company that was that 10 to 15 people and stayed at that 10 to 15 people and then moving into a company that has had really good growth over the last, I think you said two or three years and seeing specifically, it wasn't like the the product was better or the, um, you know, they had some better ideas from sales process, but it was more about the culture. And seeing the, the, the cultural differences, that like that was the key, correct?
2: Yeah, I mean, that's, at least for me, from the inside, the main mm-hmm. reason that GidelNet has grown how it's grown is the, the emphasis that is on the culture. You know, we yep. hire culture first. We hire based on fit. Um, skills can be taught, fit can't. And I yep. think that that's a pretty crucial process to why I love working with my coworkers. I love hanging out with them. Um, and everybody collaborates really, really well.
1: Yeah. And I think that the, there are obviously other factors, you know, how good your sales team is and how focused you are and, uh, the economy and all, all that stuff. Right. Um, but I think very specifically, there was some stuff that we talked about that you could tell that 10 person company is, is, is probably still a 10 person company. Um, and I, there, there are several kind of things within culture that I, I I found interesting. Kind of the first thing is you started talking. You talked about you had the people there that weren't necessarily perf- like high performers, but it, it, that was overlooked and um, yeah. or not even apologized for. But it was like, yeah, yeah, I know, crazy Uncle Joe. He's he's crazy, uh, but we love him. Is that kind of culture correct?
2: Yeah, I mean it was um I think the the big difference is is one of Goodellnet's like main tenants is a hundred percent responsibility, zero percent excuses. And mm-hmm. A lot of times the other company felt like a hundred percent excuses, zero percent responsibility. Mm-hmm. And so stepping from an organization that you know you're having to make up for the shortcomings of others um in terms of not showing up on time or not following yeah. through to so an, an organization that you feel comfortable handing things off to teammates. Um, you feel comfortable, you know, coming in on time and, and not having to do extra work. Um, it makes a huge, for me, it it was a huge mental difference in terms Mm -hmm. of the amount of extra mental effort I had to expend on a daily basis because I felt comfortable in my role.
1: So do you think, I mean, that's something that can happen by accident and what i mean by that is get it get it on that's focus is a is very intentional like it it takes energy to maintain that to keep that going um and money and, and money yeah absolutely yeah you just you, you gotta hire the right people yeah. <clears throat> um what um do you feel like that other company just didn't care that that was a worse product or environment? I mean, you think they didn't know it or they, they thought it was good.
2: I mean, I think that's, that's what you're going to, you'll run into that with smaller companies or kind of family owned businesses. I mean, yeah, I think like culture is, isn't just like a communal ping pong table at the office. It's kind of a, a subset of different things that make up the fiber of a company. So, mm. you know, transparency, communication, um, getting those things, right uh really just builds not only a solid culture but a solid place to work. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think the thing that that has shaped my kind of leadership style a lot over the last couple of years is kind of following in that s- footsteps of um transparency towards I know I could if I want to, I can look at Gadelnet's finances right now. I can tell you how much money we mm-hmm. make, how much we're spending, where we're spending it. Um And in that I'm also under uh, able to understand what my role is in generating business or, you know, money for the business, how I impact others' jobs. I think that that's something that's missing in a lot of businesses to where, um, you don't know where the company sits at that time. You don't know, you know, are we, you know, are we, are we in the black? Are we in the red? Is my job at risk? Um, and then you, you, I mean, look at Salesforce today. Um, you know, the the huge layoffs that are kind of sweeping. Nobody yeah. knew that was coming because they probably didn't know what the financial state was. And yeah. so that transparency and, and that upfront communication, hey guys, things are kind of tough. Right now we're not making any changes, but I want to let you know that if things don't turn around in the next three months, we're going to have to make a decision. I mean, I think-
1: you, on, on that note, do you think that- salesforce and, and i i i see the the little news ticker but i don't i'm really read into it did salesforce see it coming did they see we're going to have to lay off 15,000 people
0: the
2: ceo said um i saw this a little bit ago he was like we hired too many people that's on me and the thing i i'm kind of outspoken in, in how i lead i think that it is your it. It might have been your responsibility, but the impact doesn't fall on you; it falls on the employees. Exactly, yeah. And and I think the key difference in in a, probably a great segue in Nicodellnet is when the pandemic hit, everybody is freaking out. You don't know kind of what the economic state is going to be for the next six months. The CEO at the time and the COO put their houses up as collateral for a loan so that everyone kept their jobs. Wow. To me, that's. That's huge. That's, I mean, that's true leadership. That's truly being invested in the mission that you're chasing as an organization. And I think that while yes, culture is made up of, you know, how do you build a structure around the company? What kind of events do we do internally, externally? There's also kind of that. Do the leaders care? Mm -hmm. Um, And and to me, that was kind of, that really solidified it during COVID. Like, i'm where i want to be
1: yeah yeah and i think that that shows kind of the the top down true culture uh um buy-in that that you know leadership has that with with a uh, um salesforce if he put his house up for collateral he's not <laughs> He's not gonna retain 15,000 people. No. And so I, I I I just wanted to hear size your thoughts difference, on this. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean yeah.
2: Salesforce is tens of thousands of employees, you get we network at yeah. 190, 200, somewhere in that range. Yeah. So and
1: and, and even less than. But mm. the I, I agree though that the Buck Stops With Me kind of attitude it, like is so uh, disingenuous, really at that point it's like yes uh, yes i it is my fault i what whatever you know he doesn't really think that um maybe he feels bad about it whatever uh but he but like could he have done something different scaled up to putting his house on you know as up as collateral um like what I'm trying to say is like, I want to pick at him because of course it doesn't affect him really. Like he's, that's what he's got to say uh, for the the cameras. Um, But could he have done something different to, to show that he actually does care?
2: I mean, that's the importance of communication. Again, I think that if leaders are communicating, if they're being transparent in every decision they make in Mm -hmm. some way, shape or form, employees are more comfortable and and yeah. i think a lot of salesforce they got very generous severance packages so it's it's not oh, yeah. as bad as some of the layoffs we've seen but at the same time they had no idea it was coming everybody thought salesforce was doing great um, yeah and at the end of the day they overhired and how that happened who knows it, you know some companies you just get too aggressive but at the yeah. end of the day um there's just better ways to go about it in terms of preparing oh, yeah. your team
1: and that, that's a that's a great point too. The the they overhired and, and I think we all kind of know it, we're at a place where there's lots of free money, tech is exploding. Um, I mean, yes, there was a, a shutdown and a reset or not a recession, but a shutdown and but there was so much free money and mm-hmm. um, everybody went online. People that didn't have a CRM suddenly did, uh needed, you know, had to have one. Um but the, the even like DellNet, you could have had the same uh, mentality at a at a lower scale where you you like, I mean, then letting 15,000 people go is you know five percent of the workforce. That'd be like you guys having to cut, you know, 10, 20 people, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um so I, I just I, I think like your your point there is the transparency of even at that scale nobody needed to be surprised that things were doing poorly suddenly because it it didn't happen suddenly right
2: Mm-mm. there's no yeah. way i can i cannot see i cannot see you know a cfo waking up in the morning yeah. and be like well shoot um we got to <laughs> we got to fire all these people like that's just not yeah. how it works you know good companies are tracking that they yeah. know how much runway they have the mm. problem is they don't communicate it
1: They don't communicate. And and even as a small company, I mean, I've been there before where people literally have no idea. And you have have people where you lose a customer and and as an owner, you're like, this is devastating. Like if we don't fix this, we need to hire, but you don't communicate that to your customer or to your your team. And so your team just doesn't think it's a big deal. They think, man, that sucks. Whereas you're thinking like, this could really hurt the company. yeah, yeah.
2: And I think that was that was the eye-opening thing for me was being told the the impact my role has on the business. Mm-hmm. And and that's something that is is hard to understand as an employee, typically. Okay, cool. I'm stepping into this role. This is my job, but I don't know how much revenue that impact, impacts. Yeah. I don't know how many jobs I impact or anything like that. So even if you can't specifically say like, hey, this is the impact you have on the business. There's ways to kind of say like, "Hey, this project you did great work. It it had a, a, a big impact." And that's again communication. Like for Goodellnet, mm-hmm. we use a platform called Tiny Pulse to lift each other up. Um, we uh, internally have uh, all of our ticketing has surveys attached to it. All of those responses go into a central channel that the entire company can see. So mm-hmm. it's like nothing is invi- or nothing is hidden, and. Everybody. You're getting customer feedback.
1: You get customer feedback, and everybody sees it.
2: Correct. Good or bad.
1: Yeah. Well, what? What if that? At your at that size, I don't know that you can tie it. But can can when you get feedback in, can you tie it to? Oh, that was John's customer, and and we got this negative feedback about John. Mm -hmm. Is it that trackable?
2: Yeah. I mean, it says it'll say. Such and such at such and such company name gave you a good gave so and so a good score, and then we even wow. have some additional things that are like easy to work with, um, quick response, that type of stuff that you can tag into those those customer feedbacks, and that ties into a whole another set of metrics. But I can I can log into my dashboard and pull up all of the surveys for my specific customers as the account mm-hmm. manager too. So, so we have a lot so of everybody.
1: If everybody can see that though, let's say say Tom gets negative a negative review, isn't he going to feel like super crappy and and you're putting that in front of the <laughs> whole company that Tom did a bad job?
2: It's definitely a crappy feeling. Um yeah. when you get what we call a a, a red flag uh yeah. in in such a public way, but I think what our culture does to set that apart is that, you know, some I, I've seen ones where I saw a red flag come through. I pulled up that ticket out of curiosity, looked at what the engineer did, reached out and was like, hey, can I give you a couple tips? And, you know, again, 12 years of experience, I've worked from help desk one to, to tier three. And a lot of things that come naturally to me do not come naturally to others or mm. things that I remember from seven years ago. Um, Hey, I ran into this in the in the past. Here's here's an easy way to fix it. Like there's this culture of helping where if mm-hmm. even if I can't like as an engineer if I couldn't figure something out, I would go into a specific channel and say, "Hey, I can't figure this out. I need somebody's help." In minutes, mm-hmm. somebody typically would message me and say, "Hey, let's hop on a on a screen share and fix it." Like yeah. And that's how you learn at the end of the day, rather than kind of this is your department, you need to just figure it out. Mhm. How do how well, do we help each other? How do we lift each other up?
1: And that and the reason I asked it that way is the opposite is you get negative feedback and nobody knows, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and or you get negative feedback and we're okay with it, you know, because yeah. because nobody knows. But but in that setting, everybody knows, and so I don't want I want to make sure I do not get that red flag, right? Mm-hmm. Um, And even if it's a good culture where, you know, people will reach out and and help, I I don't want that red flag, right?
2: Yeah.
1: Um, But I think beyond that, it's not just setting up the Slack channel where those reviews go. It's exactly what you're saying, of that that culture of, hey, when you see a red flag, here's how we deal with it. We're we're not talking about it behind somebody's back. Um, We're thinking, you know, have I done that before? How, how have I done that better? Yeah.
2: I mean, the way Um, it works for us is if, if, a if one comes through, um, our service lead will see it, she will review mm -hmm. it. She'll review the ticket. Um, she'll then talk to the team lead of that, what we call pod. Um, they'll kind of, they'll powwow about that and then I'll get involved. And if it is, you know, something that needs to be addressed, I call that user and I say, Hey, talk me through what happened. Mm -hmm. Um, And that gives us more data to say, okay, this was a training issue or this was something else. Um, And we use that data Mm -hmm. to continually improve our service. So it's, it's not just, Oh, it came through. That sucks. Sorry, guys. It's, there's a process behind it too. How do we use negative feedback to get better? And I, I think that that's huge. Whereas, you know, smaller companies may not have the bandwidth to do it, but I think that, Listening to your customers is easily the, the best investment of your time. Mm-hmm. Well,
1: I, smaller. I, I think you can do it at some scale, no matter your size. It even at, at the upper sizes, it can get difficult as well, um, just because you may not have as much control over how you adjust the process. You know, at that that stage. But I think the beyond that, the the important thing is you can come away and say, oh, hey, you know what we need to do. We need to have all of our um, feedback going. We need to get feedback from everybody and have it all go to a channel so everybody can see it. Um, I think that that is a, that's a terrible thing because if you don't follow it up with, here's how we handle that or here's what we do with that, then it becomes a just rat, rat nest of complaints and gossip and um, just toxicity, right? Yeah. Um, Or even if you have, if I get a red flag, and we haven't built that culture up. I could immediately get defensive. I, I could start trashing the customer. Um, yeah, they were so tough to work with. Of course, they gave me you know a bad review. Um, so it's it's beyond that tool, it, it's the culture to back up that tool, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, I mean it's it's kind of the meaning behind why we do it. Like we could yeah. do stuff one on one, but a mistake that one engineer makes is a training opportunity for another. yeah. And, and, and that's, I mean, that's a huge part of what we do as well. I mean, I have a massive training budget. I don't know. I, we spend a couple thousand a year per engineer per employee on mm. training specifically certifications, conferences, whatever, whatever you think will push you forward in your role. And that just ties into it as well. Like, okay, cool. This was a, a maybe you didn't know this thing in active directory. Why don't we sign you up for an advanced Active Directory course um, and then that engineer has something to learn from and continue to further their skill set.
1: So, but how do you make sure that that's not wasted money or wasted time? If you think about um, an engineer saying, I'd like to go to this conference, I mean, that that could be just a fun experience for them versus an actual training um, opportunity. Or they may say, Yeah. I saw this thing on LinkedIn. It's, you know, a couple hundred bucks. I'd like to take it and it may just be not really relevant or not not very, you know, good. Like how do you empower people, but, but not waste time and money?
2: Yeah. I mean, for us, a lot of it's certification focused. So, Mm -hmm. you know, Cisco certs, um, Microsoft certs, Apple certs. Um, For the account management and the sales teams, it's a little different. You know, we're going to stuff like data conferences, um, scale pad, uh, various platforms that that we use for our clients so that we can learn mm-hmm. better how to not only explain them to clients, but also kind of the features that might benefit a, a client that maybe I didn't think this would have fit their business. Um, and and we're within the leadership team, it's, it's much larger conferences, like, you know, some of them do Vistage, some of them have their um, weekly meeting with local IT leaders, stuff like that. Yeah. It's, uh, it's really custom tailored to the part of the business. Um, I've definitely been used as a Guinea pig, uh, in terms of, Hey, nobody's ever done this course before. Can you do it? And let me know if it sucks. Um, I mean, you're definitely going to have that. And I've done a couple where I was like, yeah, this is not worth the time. Um, but you kind of, you kind of got to try and you got to learn. And you know, we rolled out LinkedIn Learning across the entire company. I've taken a couple courses. It's helpful. I mean, anything you can think of, you might want to learn. It's it's probably there. And yeah, investments. It's actually, actually I was
1: really I was impressed. Yeah, yeah, it's actually so, not bad.
2: I mean, there's definitely risk. There's always risk with anything you do in business. At yeah. the end of the day, um, but it's calculated risk. In terms, yeah, I of, just
1: I remember at one point I had. Uh, a a team member come and say hey you know there's this local networking event Uh, I forget what the name of it was and it turned into like eight people you know going to this thing once a week and they would come back and say oh so good I handed out business cards I talked to this person but at the end of the day I mean they did it for six months and it was really just a fun coffee kind of social." hour for business yeah. people um and like they try and again this may be my culture uh but they would try to justify it my point is on the front end if I, if i had a, a system to say let, yeah let's go to it um you know th- this friday check it out um i probably would have cut it from the beginning or you know yeah. um but then there's also been people come come to me with ideas or conferences and they're just not good fits or I don't have time to, to vet them. Um, so yeah, I don't know.
2: It's all about approval. I mean, I, I have to put in, if I'm going to spend any sort of money, I have to put in a request. Like, Hey, I want to go to this conference. I'm going to need flight. I'm going to need a hotel. That's going to go to my boss. My boss is going to ask me, you know, what do I think I'm going to get out of it? And then I have to justify it, which is fair. Like if I'm going to a data conference. Why am I going? Well, I want to learn about, how this is going to impact my clients that have a hundred, 200, 300 servers or things like that. And and once you have that justification, it's a little easier, you know, like, Mm -hmm. Hey, I want to get my CISSP certification. Like that's a big cert. That's a mat. Like that is a, that's a, that's a big boy cert. So, you know, (laughs) you set up a training plan with our HR and say, okay, I need to take these courses. And Mm -hmm. then I plan to take the test in six months. Um, and then Cadelnet also refunds the fees to take the exams. So, yeah, um, well, yeah and it's, think, it's definitely tough in terms of like what's worth it and what's not. Yeah. Um, well, the, and what, not everybody what getting, uses it either. So,
1: yeah, exactly. And, and what I was getting at is the smaller company that is going to remain the smaller company isn't investing in their people because they look at it as an expense, or they look at, it's going to be a waste of money. Um, I don't, I've never been to that conference before it's probably not going to be worth it. Um, and on, on two fronts, one, you get, you, you could have team members that are looking to take advantage of you and and the, the, the money and the time. Mm -hmm. Um, but then on the other side, you don't have management that is willing to invest because they don't want to waste money. And what you're describing at Net is um you've got both. You've got a team team members that have to justify, you know, how they're gonna do it. And you've got a management that wants to invest. And so I, I think that that's an important combination.
2: We invest in our people as <laughs> much as our people, our people invest in us. I think yeah. and that's knowing that if I exactly feel that. like I don't know something, I can spend training budget to learn that thing. Yeah. Yeah, I may leave Cadlmat in a couple of years, um or something along those lines, but during that time that I'm still with Cadlmat, I'm more effective, I'm more helpful to my clients. Um yep. and I may even bring bigger ideas. You know, mm-hmm. I think I came from a shop that we were still doing on-premise exchange and this was uh 2017. So 365 was still picking up steam, but for me coming to GadelNet and stepping in and learning the 365 suite, I was like, "Whoa, this is cool!" Mm-hmm. And now we're leaning in—Microsoft Teams, Power BI, um, so on and so forth. The more I've learned over the last five years, the more you know, more I'm able to come up with unique solutions to problems, and yeah. and so limiting that that learning. Um, we're not kind of really encouraging it, like, "Hey, take a couple hours and learn about this." Um, yeah. It benefits the whole team. It might you might even take pressure off of another person who has to do all of the. And this is a bad example. All of the three sixty five work, and you've mm-hmm. got two people that can do it. That's two two sets of people who can do multiple projects at once.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, looking at it as an investment versus a cost, and um, I, well, let me ask you this. In terms of culture, so you, you've seen your company grow exponentially over the last several years. Um, people coming in, let, let's say the, the management side and people coming in the um, production side, whatever you want to call them, mm-hmm. they both have to have that that mindset. They come in and probably don't. How do you like, have you had hired people and, and they're like, we let people spend money on this stuff or on the other side, I can spend money on this.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, we've seen, obviously there's only so much I can share, but like yeah, there yeah. has been, we hire culture first. So, I mean, there's, there's a, a huge culture fit and, you know, my, I did five interviews um, I hmm. think over the course of a week Eckdelnet and then accepted the offer a week later and then was working there three weeks three weeks later so um but like mindset and and kind of how how people talk in the interview stuff like that definitely weighs in and there have Mm -hmm. been very strong technical candidates that we've turned down because they did we did not think that they would mesh well with our culture Mm -hmm. um whether they were um you know egotistical and and we felt that you know they may not have that collaborative nature that that really drives how we function. Um, and on the other hand, we've also hired people that were a great culture fit, but the tech skills were not there. And again, you can train tech skills, but it depends yeah. on how much you have to train and how much effort goes in there. So it's a balancing act, but I don't think yeah. I've seen any hires in the last couple of years that have been like, I really don't like this person. Gotcha. <laughs> um, that there's always at least kind of that enough of a culture fit that you can have a good conversation with people.
1: No, I think that's great. And, and so what I've seen over the last three years is in a lot of companies, let's say four years ago, they would say exactly what you you just said. We hire for culture first, uh, tech tech second um, or technical abilities second, because we can train that whatever. Um, agree a hundred percent. That's how you maintain and keep a culture. But over the last three years, a lot of companies, you went from getting a couple hundred resumes to a handful and of those handful, one or two, you know, I mean, I, I you, you've probably seen we're that. struggling the, with that. Yeah. Yeah. And we're having
2: trouble getting high tier engineers. My clients are having issues hiring people. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and it's not always a culture issue. It's just people aren't looking for that specific position or, and and it's that it's tricky at the moment. I know that we've turned down client contracts because we did not have an engineer to allocate to them,
1: which blows my mind. Yeah.
2: Mm -hmm. And that sucks. Like, especially if it's a really cool company that you want to work for, but we just can't get an onsite person for them.
1: So, but what you've seen is some companies loosen their expectations and speed up the process because um, I'm sure you guys have seen this where you you're doing your process and in the middle of it, somebody has already taken another, another job. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you're speeding up your process, lowering your expectations and potentially losing that culture. How, I mean, you kind of said it, I guess you just don't hire and you just turn down the business, but yeah, uh, have you guys had to change based on that.
2: Not really. Um, we still look for a lot of the same things. The you know the 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 tech uh, the tech interview is pretty tough. It's still um, from what I understand the, they'll grill you. I mean i I had to verbally walk through a complete remediation for mine, um, hmm. and you know that that was like fifteen minutes of me talking through step by step how I would fix the problem, hmm. and so that that is a big part of it. And yeah, we, we, we haven't really sacrificed much. I think, um, at least in talking with some of the leaders on the, on the operation side, mm-hmm. um, we're st- we still have a big focus on that, that culture aspect. Um, yeah. because when we've had bad culture fits, it impacts the rest of the team.
1: Yeah. You know,
2: it, if you don't like working with someone, it's going to make problems for more than just you. And so for right. us having that type fit, it's yeah. why we're able to serve our clients the way we are
1: well even if if you hire somebody and they get away with stuff that you know we don't do here as a culture they'll be fired yeah you- well yeah they'll be fired but if you don't fire them the, you know I may be I may start looking somewhere else um oh yeah if you're allowing that bad behavior that's that's not what I'm here for yeah
2: yeah, yeah I mean we've um we've definitely had firings in the last year that it was it was either culture or kind of responsibility oriented and mm-hmm. gedmont puts its mouth where its money where its mouth is um yeah. when it comes to the you know zero percent excuses when it comes to what we call grow or die which is the the training aspect mm-hmm. um and then the make it happen is kind of like your job do it well um yeah. but anytime well, i felt like someone was not a good fit and that um, you know, this This is not going well. They're, they're gone at some point. I don't know why they're gone. I don't know what the circumstances are, but we get the HR email that's like, hey, so-and-so is gotcha. leaving, so on and so forth. Thanks for being here. Like and even if
1: they're not reporting to you, you can smell it.
2: I mean, in the account management yeah. role, you see a lot. Um, yeah. and, and for me, it's easy. Again, I'm, I still have tier three, a, a tier three skill set. In terms of, I'll still jump in and fix servers if I have to, um, mm-hmm. and I have. Uh, so you can tell when something's amiss. Like this did not take you four hours to do. There's no yeah. way. Um, and so I've noticed things, and I'm like, something doesn't seem right there. And then an HR email will come through, and I'm like, okay, just wasn't a good fit. Um, yeah. It's never like, oh, I hated that person. It's just like it wasn't. It wasn't the right fit. And yeah. And that's, that's usually the main reason that people leave. I mean, we have a, I don't know if this is still true or not, but we have a 98% retention rate. Um, which again, the culture is a huge part of that. You don't want to leave an yeah. organization that you enjoy. Yeah. And so very few people willfully leave the organization because of the opportunities that are offered.
1: And you, and you don't leave an organization you love and enjoy for a dollar more an hour. Right. No. <clears throat>
2: Yeah. I, I think that, and I hate to speak ill of my past, my past employer, but I think a huge, a huge mindset changed. I took a pay cut to come to get down um, Granted, I was moving from Chicago to Indiana, which is a, a pretty significant uh, cost of living difference. Yeah. Um, but the thing that kind of struck me um as interesting when when we were kind of in the final negotiations um they were trying to keep me and when i compared my health insurance and my benefits at cadelnet versus what i had there it was substantial and mm-hmm. i was told benefits don't really matter and to me that was the kind of like yeah no i'm done moment um mm-hmm. you know having been in the hospital stuff like that it those things do impact you, and so, yeah. like I said at the start, like pay matters too. And so, oh yeah, yeah, there's the pay component, there's the benefits component, and then there's the culture component. Yeah, if you get all of those right, like we're talking about, that's explosive growth. I went from employee yeah. 68 at there to 195 at this point. Like, I walked around the Christmas yeah. party introducing to pe- myself to people. I had, I had no <laughs> idea who they were. And yeah. a, sub, a couple of them were spouses, but yeah. um, <laughs> there's only so much you can do when you're when you're growing that fast. Yeah, and we've scaled up really efficiently, really effectively.
1: And that, that's what really interested me when we talked before about this topic is <clears throat> that you know there are things that need to happen for your company to grow, mm-hmm. to grow, you know, three hundred percent over. Three years, I think it was right. Three, four years, um, somewhere in there. Three, yeah, four years. Let's say even. Um, that that's more than a, a good salesperson. That that is a culture. That is a uh, that is a leadership that's making that's driving that. And I think the the biggest thing is kind of what we kind of started talking about is, um, like you can have the core values, you can have the mission statement, you can put them up on the wall. But if we're not living those out, and we're allowing bad behavior, you're just going to churn through people. You're gonna churn through customers, and you're just going to you're going to be ten you know ten people for the rest of, you know your career. Um, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's it's I mean, it's a game changer, and, and um,
2: I think it's, it's, overlooked. Tough. Yeah. it's overlooked.
1: Yeah, overlooked oh a yeah.
2: Lot. I mean, I think. The the core values were what drew me to Godellnet. The Gadelnet mm-hmm. was one of two companies I applied to when I was looking to leave Chicago. Um because it wasn't just it wasn't just that company. It was a driving factor into why I was leaving. It was also the uh the property taxes. Um <laughs> yeah. I don't
1: we had to talk about this. I'm from Rockford, so I uh yeah a couple hours. So you ago. know. Oh you yeah. Know. Oh yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, going from four percent to one that's huge. But um yes. The core values were what drew me to get on that. Like when I was poking around, I was like, okay, cool. It uses all the tech stack stuff that I'm familiar with, with the exception of a handful of things. Mm -hmm. But like while I'm going through some frustrations where I feel like I'm not being listened to, or you know others aren't owning up to their mistakes or taking responsibility for their position, to read that on Goodell site and then have those first couple calls with, um, Mm -hmm. you know, my first call was with HR. Um, with Jen, she's still here. Uh, my second call was with Chad Menard, who's the COO. Um, he's the one that really grilled me on the tech questions. Um, I was sweating. And then I had a chat with Jared, who was my boss at the time. He's now director of operations. Um, and then the last call was with Nick Smirelli, um, who's the, who was the former CEO. Um, so he stepped out of the business. He's still an owner, but he. Um, He's been a he was a very integral part of Gedelnet for the last couple of years. Hmm. Um, but through each one, a lot of things were reinforced for me from what I'd read on the website. Because you yeah. know you can you can put a bunch of nonsense on the website and right. act like you believe it. But once you start talking, that's when you really know. Like, okay, this is serious. And then over the yeah. last five years, it's been continually reinforced when people are not a good fit, they're not showing up for work, or something along those lines, and Gadelnet's like not acceptable. Yeah. Uh, This is not our culture. They don't, we've never allowed that type of stuff to fester. And that, that is what destroys a culture is when you say these are our values yep, and you do nothing to follow them.
1: Yeah. No, I've seen that too often where you'll ask somebody one-on-one about the culture and, and they don't lie. They, they may lie with their words, but they don't lie with their face. And you say, you guys really believe that? Oh yeah. Yeah. We t- like it, it, you live it or you don't. And and that is very transparent to, to people evaluating the company.
2: People are going to know in the first 30 days. Yeah. I think that, oh, yeah. you know, uh, leadership can delude themselves <clears throat> into believing like, yeah, we're telling them all the right stuff. But mm-hmm. once you get in, you start learning about the processes. You, you run into that first hurdle and that first hurdle doesn't align with what you thought you were getting into that's when people start thinking about leaving. Yeah. You know, Uh, And we're in a
1: culture culture where, you know, if, if if you're not happy, you don't just stick around. Um, and and maybe five years ago it was like that. Uh, right now there, there's just too much opportunity and people will jump, man. They'll jump, they'll jump fast.
2: And in IT, those of you that use non-compete clauses, you're done. FTC yeah. is, is getting rid of those. So you yeah. can't use yep. that as a reason to hold an employee anymore. Yep. You've, you've got to stand apart from your competitors in, in the nearby space or even, honestly, across the U.S. Like we're, We've hired people out of North Carolina. We have no clients in North Carolina, Atlanta. It's, things are shifting very rapidly yep. in IT right now. And I think that the companies that are going to survive and that are going to do the best are the ones that have good culture, that yeah. offer a remote working policy. Um, obviously, not every role can do it. If you're an on-site engineer, that's hard. But yeah. for an, a role like mine, the fact that I'm allowed to work from home every single day, pet my dogs after a stressful meeting, um, you know, maybe eat lunch that isn't Wendy's, it it does have it it does play
1: arcade game
2: play play nfl blitz for a bit yeah. <laughs> um it's it's a lot more tangible than i think a lot of business owners understand
1: yeah
2: um cool yeah you're getting paid pretty well you've got a great commission structure but you hate your co-workers
1: yeah
2: that's that's not gonna last very long Yeah, and i think that we're we're definitely seeing that um so
1: let me let me ask you this. This is a yeah. little different. I'm also um... very
2: vocal and opinionated. So, uh...
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, th- this is kind of a different topic, but yeah. uh, you've got all these layoffs in tech happening, and, mm-hmm. and I was talking about somebody talking to, to somebody about this earlier, and I really I, I think that companies like yours are not at least now as it impacted by all, all the stuff's going on, we, we, what we're talking about really is a lot of tech uh, that overhired, and the the market is just, they're getting slapped in the face with like, you actually have to be profitable. Yeah. Um, you, you got Twitter, whatever you think about Twitter, you you, you fire that the many company. engineers and things are still running. You probably had too many engineers, right? Yeah. Um, and 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 you're just seeing that Facebook, Amazon, Amazon all that stuff. Um, so all that to say, the job market that has been very tight—it's been a a job seekers market for you know two three years now. Mm-hmm. Well, more than that, honestly, pre pandemic it was. Um, the do you see that shifting to where businesses like yours will have more? Like it'll become an employer's market again, or do you think that it's not really going to affect things?
2: I don't think it's going to change. I think that the job landscape has changed so much over the last couple years. Mm-hmm. It's going to be hard to return to status quo. I mean, you've got a lot of companies that are like, hey, everybody's going to come back to the office. Y'all are going to start bleeding employees soon mm. because... I guarantee that most of the companies that are saying like you all have to come back to the office are not pulling your staff. Um, whereas at GoodellNet, yeah. I've had a survey almost every other month internally that's like, hey, how much do you want to work in the office? And I'm like, mm. pretty much never. It's not because I don't like my coworkers. <laughs> it's because I'm a very um, you know high A personality that I want mm. to talk to everyone. And that impacts my work. Whereas at home, yeah. I put on my headphones, I turn on some music, I churn through some quotes or emails or whatever. Um, yeah. That's going to be the big shift, I think, in the next couple of years is meeting employees where they want to be. Um, because that job satisfaction yeah. is going to tie into your metrics.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's going to be, I, I think you're dealing with, like, like, I'll say it this way. For my company, when we work totally remote, and but the times that we get together, it is you, you, There's a different vibe. There's more relationship building in those couple days than there are months over Zoom and Slack and all that stuff. And so it's easy to look and say, I would have a better company if we all came together. Um, but I, I think to to your point just now is that's very short sighted and. It, that that's kind of trying to grasp, grasp something that doesn't exist anymore um, or doesn't exist like it used to. And you just have to change your, your outlook of, yeah, let's get together once a quarter um, and, and work remotely. Um, Which is a
2: lot of what we're doing. I mean, we had our holiday party in November. Um, I drove out to St. Louis um, was there for three, four days and every day was in the office I got no work done, um, but I, I I had a lot of conversations. Yeah. And and then you have the holiday party there. You know, we do stuff uh, in the evenings. Account management, sales, went out to lunch, like all that kind of stuff. And then come back home and we do an in-person event at the office once a month. Um, I'm going yeah. out to lunch with my team here in Indy uh, in a couple of weeks. And it's you kind of have to shift how you think about in-person. Um, yeah. Like, even for me, what would have been always in-person quarterly business reviews before the pandemic, most of my clients are totally cool doing our QBRs remotely on a regular basis. And then we have big meetings. Like, let's do a huge server overhaul. Let's get in person. Let's have, like, an impactful conversation face-to-face rather than over the camera. And I think it really accentuates knowing when to have those in-person meetings. And it makes them more impactful and more... Um, yeah. Helpful, but I think a lot of people are used. To, I mean, COVID changed everything. I have clients yeah. that um, they had no remote work; they had no intention of doing remote work pre-pandemic, um, and then now they're actively looking to hire people in other states. So, yeah. the the mindset has shifted, and I think that a lot of companies that are willing to be more flexible build out that hybrid work. You know, if you want to work in the office, cool. We've got a nice small office you can come into. But if you want to work from yeah. home, that's totally cool as well. The yeah. The main focus is, do you get your job done?
1: Yeah. So kind of, we, we need to close this out here. But uh, I guess one of the the, the things is that we're talking about culture and remote work. Uh, if If I'm in an office... And and I walk through, I can see people's faces. I can see their countenance. I can hear them interact with each other. And culture is a lot easy, easier, I, I think, to catch and correct in that environment. Remote, I maybe you can't hide it, but it is easier to hide. Or it's uh, harder to constantly be exposed to it. I guess uh, bottom line is my question is how do you maintain a strong competitive, uh, you know, culture like you have there when people can hide behind zoom?
2: Well, for us, most of us turn our cameras on for calls. Um, Mm -hmm. very anything that's like quick. Sure. That's a team's message, but Hey, I need you to talk me through like, how does, uh, how does perch work? How does Sentinel one work? That's Mm -hmm. a phone call face-to-face, over the camera, chatting. Um, but then there's also, you know, uh, we have weekly one-on-ones with our managers. We have level 10 meetings mm-hmm. across the company. Um, or I don't think they're called level 10 meetings anymore, but uh, we oh, have all of these different meetings. touch points. It's uh, Six Sigma, Lean Six Sigma.
1: Okay.
2: Uh, But it's... uh there's just all these touch points in terms of mm-hmm. uh, we get a weekly survey that's anonymous. We, uh, gotcha. we have all these different channels to communicate within. Everybody chats a little different. You know, I have some engineers that prefer to just type. I have others that'll just outright call me no message, which I'm cool with too. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a very communicative type person, but uh, you kind of just have to shift how you do things. Have those yeah. smaller touch points. Um, it's interesting because Shopify um, yesterday, the day before they had news come out that they're like, you can't do yeah. meetings on Wednesdays anymore. And I was like, first of all, that sounds dope. Um, and second of all, <laughs> it's not a bad idea. Um, yeah. You know, And they also canceled meetings that were more than two people. So yeah. chunk it down. Um, you don't need to have these huge all company meetings on a regular basis. Have yeah. those one-on-one touch points. Um, have those smaller group meetings that are talking through bigger issues and and tackle them effectively. Don't just throw stuff on the board and, and complain about it for an hour Um, Mm -hmm. and then have that transparency internally. You know Um, our CEO will send out an email and like, Hey, just so you know, here's what's going on. Or um, you know, we have our quarterly, what we call the state of the union uh, every quarter where the entire company gets on either in person if you want or on video. And the, we basically learn about the state of the company, what's coming, what's changing. Um, so everybody knows what to expect for the next three months. Mm-hmm. Nice. And that kind nice. of stuff has as much of an impact as coming to the office every day. You don't have a choice.
1: Yeah. Um, well, that's, I that's think a, it makes it better. Yeah. And it, it, A lot is unsaid there of of basically you've got the culture, but you're getting regular feedback. You're you're being measured. Um, You you have goals that are being communicated to you regularly. Um, So it's not like you're remote. You have your meeting once a week, and then we hope you get your work done. Yeah. Um, Set
2: sprint goals, set KPIs measure them and hold people to them.
1: Yeah.
2: And you're good. Like, I yeah. think that there's this, I hate micromanaging it for my team at tech Raptor. I, again, I have five full-time staff members. I don't bother them much outside of like, Hey, here's what you're working on next. Yeah. Um, I think if you can't trust your people, it, they weren't the right fit to begin with. Yeah. And that once again, comes down to culture. I think that, for me, and it, culture drives everything. If you yeah. have a good culture, not only am I able to steal people back from other gaming websites because of the culture that I've built. Um, the fact that people are happy and that I'm flexible in the way that I am, like, hey, you've got some personal stuff, go deal with it, we'll figure out the hours yeah. later. Yeah. That type of stuff is what drives growth because people are more willing to invest in the business right alongside you if you are investing in them and their personal lives as well.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. And and when you see that somebody's not a good fit, like they need to go and um and and they're gonna be fine. They're gonna find a place that is a good fit for them. It's just not here. Um but and that's
2: what the PIP process is for. You set up that personal or that improvement plan and say like, hey, here's mm-hmm. what we're looking for here's the shortcomings we're seeing in 30 days we'll get back together and yeah. see how things are going and if in those 30 days there's no surprise there it's not like well we didn't think you were doing good work bye it's we set those goal posts you didn't meet them yeah. um and you can't shift those goal posts they are exactly what you say they are yeah. And, and there's no surprise because at the end of those 30 days, most employees, if they're not happy and they don't want to be there, they're going to be the one that mean that says, I think I'm going to leave. I already yeah. found another job yeah. rather than you being the one to deliver it. And I love That is the 1000th the... time communication.
1: Yeah. 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 And that, and that whole process, That's a whole nother thing, but that uh, we adopted that as well through EOS. Uh, oh, yeah. um, the, 30, you know, instead of firing somebody or writing them up or whatever, setting the goals. And it is, it's such a, so better, it's a, it's a much better process of, because then they can sell, truly self-select select. like I'm giving you 30 days to, to step up or find another job. And the, that 30 day meeting is so there's, there's no tension. It's like they have decided or they've stepped up and, Unfortunately, most time they're they're gonna decide to go somewhere else, but that that's fine. Um but that's, probably that's both learning.
2: sides learn something and they're gonna yep. have something nice to say about your company yep. as they leave.
1: Exactly. Like, hey, they yep.
2: they actively invested in me. Or you know, yep. you have got companies like Gorilla 76 that oh, you put in your, your one-month notice or whatever will give you 15% higher pay so long as you stay and help transition the new person yep. into the role. Like that's a yep. game changer because you're not checked out in those final days. You're still invested. You're still wanting to help that company drive forward. And you're helping prop up the person who's replacing you. Like, it's all about the mindset. It's all about taking care of your people. I think that the companies that focus on their people first are the ones that are going to succeed in 2023 and beyond.
1: Yeah, I agree. Well, cool, man. Well, we got to wrap up here. Um, Go ahead and uh, plug whatever you'd like to plug. I know you got a lot going on.
2: Yeah, I mean uh so gadelnet gadelnet.com if you're looking for you know any sort of IT or you know cybersecurity stuff especially that's a big area we focus in um techraptor is my little side gig that is now way larger than I ever expected it would be that's techraptor.net um you I'm on side gig,
1: but you guys are I mean you've got some some good penetration in the market and
2: yeah, I no, mean, I we, just, we did 300000 in in yeah. revenue last year, which is yeah, that's great, insane. And I'm aiming for half a mil this year, a mil following. Um, yeah. And I do both at the same time. They fit into each other. So, you know, let your employees kind of follow their passions. Don't limit them. Yeah. But uh, yeah, my LinkedIn is below. Uh, if you want to follow whatever stupid stuff I'm publishing on Twitter, I'm <laughs> at The Real religion. So yep. uh, probably dunking on Elon Musk on his own platform.
1: There. <laughs> there, you go. Awesome. Well, man, I, I've appreciated this. This has been a good conversation. Um, and, uh, hopefully, hopefully we'll get some, some good bites out of this and, uh, hopefully this helps some people to watch. So.
2: Yeah. And if anybody oh. ever has any questions about, you know, or if you're looking for a job in it, feel free to shoot me a DM on, on LinkedIn yeah. or, or Twitter and I'm happy to help.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, in, until next time, man. Um,
0: Thanks so much for listening to today's episode of the Equipped Podcast. Do me a favor. Go to Apple, scroll all the way to the bottom, give us a five-star rating and a five-star review. Better yet, share this with someone that you think it would add value to. And if you think you would be a good guest on the Equipped Podcast, shoot me an email at lane at goprospect.com. That's L-A-N-E at G O. B-R-O-S-P-E-X dot com. Until next time, see you guys.